bit call me pale I've spent six years on your trail Six long years on your trail Call me morbid, call me pale I've spent six years on your trail Six full years of my life on your trail And if you have five seconds to spare Then I'll tell you the story of my life Sixteen clumsy and shy I went to London and died I booked myself in at the Y WCA I said I like it here, can I stay? I like it here, can I stay? Do you have a vacancy for a back scrubber? She was left behind and sad And she wrote to me equally down She said in the days when you were hopeless before I just liked you more And if you have five seconds to spare Then I'll tell you the story of my life Sixteen clumsy and shy I went to London and died I booked myself in at the Y WCA I said I like it here, can I stay? I like it here, can I stay? And do you have a vacancy for a back scrubber? Call me morbid, call me pale I've spent too long on your trail Far too long chasing your tail you have five seconds to spare, then I'll tell you the story of my life. Sixteen clumsy and shy, that's the story of my life. Sixteen clumsy and shy, the story of my life, that's the story of my life. Half a person from the album The World Won't Listen by the power pop combo The Smiths. I'm David Eastall and this is The C86 Show. Welcome once again to another epic slice of life as I'll be bringing you songs you know, some you don't, and some you should, always crossing time, space and genre. This week's special guest is going to be James Butler, all the way from Alabama, and also from the power pop combo, The Sex Clark Five. So I've got that interview in four easy-to-digest little segments, alongside the usual award-worthy playlist. Yes, indeed. So I'm going to cut the chat and play the first track. This is from The Sex Clark Five, and this is the song called California. Oh, 
And it's exciting as ever. That was the Pooh Sticks and the track called On Tape that came from their 1991 album Orgasm. And that was on the 53rd and 3rd record label that was started by the one and only Stephen Pastel, who went on to form the Pastels, obviously. And before that, we had our special guest. It was the Sex Clark 5 and the track called Californian. Hello, hello. This is David Eastall from the C86 show, always bringing you the finest in indie pop. Well, this week's special guest is going to be Alan Butler all the way from Alabama and also from the Sex Clark Five. So I've got that interview to play you a little bit later on in the show, but I've been keeping an eye on the time, so I have got plenty. So I'll be playing you some more songs and then we'll have some quality chat. This is Phantom in the Air. We were trapped by our routine and blinded by our every little thing. No computers in our hands We from the forest roads And take our shares But we were not aware Of phantoms in the air All we really wanted was To get away from home Now we're stranded in the twilight zone No one can describe What we saw riding through the sky That fateful night Oh how I wish you said we should stay in bed Now we're home playing all the games Haunted by the vision in the flames Unthinkable, unspeakable I try hard to leave it all behind Seems to occupy your mind Unstoppable Inoperable We tried to derail our calm Upon a different track But now it's here Well, there's no turning back In the fire I saw your fate And now I'm left to watch you And to wait I thought we were too close to lose you to a ghost You give me the chills, I must confess Like a meteor trapped in a dress Untamable, inflammable Divide your quotes 
Indeed, that's R.E.M. and the track will turn you inside out. That came from their 1988 album, Green. Yes, we all love that one, didn't we? And before that, we had our special guest. That was the Sex Clark Five. And that was a track called Phantom in the Air. That came from an album titled Rembrandt Five or X. I'm not sure, actually. I should have asked him that question, but I didn't. Anyway, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show. I will tell you a little bit later how you can contact me. But just to say that this week's special guest is all the way from Huntsville, Alabama. It is the one and only Sex Clark Five because I caught up with James Butler from the band to find out about more more about life, love and poetry and all that kind of groovy stuff. Or not, I don't know. I um, It was a long time ago and I'd forgotten what I've asked him. So I will be bringing that interview very soon. But before we have the first part of the interview, I think we should play one more track by the band. This is Ally. Check it out. Turn up your stereos. called Ally, which was the first track on side two, and it was from their 1987 album titled Strum and Drum. I hope you're making notes because I will test you at the end of the show. That was the Sex Clark Five, 
And as I said, and hopefully you were paying attention all the way from Huntsville, Alabama, the USA, I caught up with James Butler recently to find out more um, because they did four sessions uh, for John Peel. And though they had a bit of a, um, probably a bit of a cult status in this country, he did champion the band a lot. And this is going to be the first part of the interview where we talk about the importance of John Peel. James, take it away. Yes, we were very grateful when John picked up on the band. Um, I believe we sent him our first release, which was an EP. And much to our surprise, uh, he had his secretary call us back and ask us to do a session. Yes, which must have been pretty amazing because obviously, did she know where you were based? I believe so, yes. Um, we had at the time we had a PO box from Huntsville, Alabama, and I'm sure it must have been on the EP somewhere. Excellent, yes, because obviously, sort of for me, sort of having sort of grown up being such an indie kid and John Peel being sort of one of these characters that I listen to on a nightly basis, and I'd always put my cassette in and record 45 minutes of each of his shows, yes. you know, because it was on at a certain time, and also because he was playing so much new stuff all the time, it was a case of wanting to have to, well, needing to listen to it at least two or three times to digest it and to get some sense of what was happening. So so the, the sort of period of indie music that I particularly got into was probably sort of towards the sort of 83, 84 period when I suppose the Smiths kind of re- released their first single, and then obviously we got very excited by the American scene and bands like Huskadoo, um, who I was a huge fan of. So where did you sort of fit in on that whole genre of music during that period? I never really listened, and I still don't listen to much music other than our own because the recording requires us to... I'm I'm sort of the de facto producer, and so I have to do most of the listening and mixing and mastering, and so... It takes so much time to listen to Sex Clark 5 material. I don't have a lot of time to listen to other material. And the bands you mentioned, Husker Du and others, the Smiths, tell you the truth, I've never heard them, to my knowledge. Now, at the time when we first started out, we were aware of REM. I think they were just getting off the ground. And we considered REM to be our competition for a while. And we're still convinced (laughs) that you too stole Rattle and Hum from Strum and Drum, our first album, but we're not going to sue them or anything. <laughs> no, that's true. But so what were you, I mean, because when I was growing up, you know, I was very sort of influenced by my older brother, who was a bit, old, you know, obviously older, and um, he, he introduced me to lots of music, probably mostly the prog rock stuff of GS and Genesis and Wishbone Ash and a bit of Deep Purple and Black Sabbath. So what was it, what were your influences that you had when you were sort of in your formative years? Well, both British Invasions, the first one, which would have been the Beatles, the Kinks, and the Who, and the Yardbirds, and all that. And then the second British Invasion, or what I consider the second British Invasion, which would have been the Clash and the Sex Pistols, and Elvis Costello. So there's th- those two waves were what influenced me the most, I think. Yeah. And was it something that um, you had a sort of a feeling or a calling for that music was going to be your life? Well, not ordinarily, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure what my life would be like today if it hadn't been for the for the Beatles and, and all that. I don't know what I would have done with myself. God only knows. But um, I suppose that we were obviously inspired, myself and my brother and friends, and we got together in various bands trying to reproduce those wonderful sounds. And after a while, I started to write songs, and uh, Rick Story and I got together and uh, formed Sex Clark 5 on one wild weekend and recorded the EP. And it's been very rewarding ever since, not financially, but um, we have fans, which, which we're very honored to have, and we get a lot of positive feedback on our music. I love to read the reviews. In fact, we got a review today in Goldmine magazine of our new uh, rock opera, Ghost Brigade. And I was a little disappointed in it, but still, oh, it's, it was fun to read the reviews. We enjoyed the attention. We played a concert here in Huntsville this past Friday night, and it went fabulously. And uh, when I find myself thinking, do I want to do this anymore? All I have to do is get on stage and have people look at me, and then that's a reward in itself. I guess that's egotistical, but I think that holds true for a lot of people. Yeah. For example, 
the Stones and the Who and people who are still around, you, you wonder why the heck are they still doing it? Well, you know, I'm not saying that people adore us or that we experience the feeling of adoration when we play, but I think that's a, a big part of it. Yeah. You like attention and you like to have pretty girls looking at you, which happened the other night, which was great. And so that's a great motivator. Indeed it is. That's the first part of my interview with James Butler from the Sex Clark 5, all the way from Huntsville, Alabama. This is David E. So if you want to contact me, we always love your messages, as long as they're kind of positive and groovy. Um, you can via Facebook or Twitter, just go to at C86show and I will be there and um, I might read them and cringe. But um, yes. Yes, make it sort of enjoyable. In this day and age, it's always nice if it's constructive. Otherwise, you know, just don't bother. Just delete it and go and see a therapist about it. Anyway, we should have some more music before we have another track by the band. This is titled Why Do You Love Me? God, that is so melancholic. We love melancholia on this show. another track by the sex clerk five and that was a track titled why do you love me if you want to know any more information about the band um they have a very good website actually which is um up to date and it's all there with everything you ever needed to know biography discography media links news all that so um yes if you just go to sexclark5.com there you go you you could be there and you'll probably be able to become friends on facebook i mean makes your life worthwhile. Anyway, this is going to be the second part of the interview with James Butler from the band, where we talk about the narrative and the lifespan and the beginning, the middle, and, well, it's not the end because they're still going. So, James, tell us about the narrative. Well, we released the first album to um, Strum and Drum, to Fabulous Reviews. This would have been in 1987. And we did play quite a lot up and down the eastern seaboard. North Alabama is a good place to be based, actually, because it's equidistant between Atlanta and Memphis and Birmingham and Knoxville. And we'd, we would run up to Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York, and play the seaboard. We never made it out west, but we were able to build up a particular fan base. And then after that phase, that would have been Strum and Drum, and then there was two albums after that. Battle of Sex Clark Five and Antedium. And through all those albums, we were running around playing. I wouldn't call it touring. We would go out on a long weekend and play three or four shows in three or four towns. And we did play London, actually, in the mid 90s. We played the Marquee and we played a club in Camden Town, which I cannot call the, the name of it. And we did a, a, an interview on BBC. And so We've been able to build up a fan base, but it got to the point where we didn't want to run around and travel anymore and go through all that trouble of getting the gigs and all that stuff. And these days we have to be invited to play because nobody's going to go out and get the gigs. And we've been invited a few places lately, lately to play, which is very nice. And um, 
I wouldn't say the wheels fell off the band, but things change and times change. And our original bassist, Joy Johnson, left the band for perfectly good reasons. She had a career and wanted to pursue that. And then we became more of a studio band for a while, and we recorded Crimson Panzer in our own studios. And we, then we recorded Rembrandt X, which was released in 2014. And then we, we recorded the rock opera Ghost Brigade, which was released this past December, um, virtually in 2018. Uh, this is 2018, right? Yes. Virtually 2018. And so now we're, we're, we went through a non-performance phase and spent a lot of time in the studio, years in the studio. But we think the results were worth it. And now we're ready to play some more shows, I think. Yes. Well, it's interesting, having spoken to Lawrence, who was in Felt. But he was talking about songwriting, saying, well, and this was his kind of point that he was making, was that, you know, if you're a carpenter, you know, you hopefully get better with the years. And he feels, and it's quite an interesting point, that, that it's strange that with a lot of songwriting, often people do their best work when they're very young. And as they get older, you'd imagine the songwriting process would get better. But often the songs aren't so memorable. So how do you find that creative process? We think that the song is everything. You can be the flashiest, crashiest band in the world on stage, but if the songs aren't any good, you might be interesting for a few minutes. And we've seen many bands that have opened for us, and we're saying, oh, God, they're going to blow us off the stage. But after a few minutes, we begin to realize that their songs really aren't that good. And we don't consider ourselves to be great musicians, uh, but we do believe we have great songs. And so when we play live, it's not like you're going to hear fabulous musicianship, but the songs are are great, we think. And that's what really puts the show across. And so far as songwriting goes, I guess it's been an obsession for more years now than I care to recall. And we are currently working on a new album called The Orange Album, which we hope to release this year. And so I'm finding that I'm revisiting a lot of ideas that I left behind um, during my more creative phase. And I'm picking up on scraps and rejects and making quite nice songs out of them. But I know that and I'm also writing original songs. And the way I do that is I slip into what I call the mytho mythological mode. I'm able to have my brain switch from normal reasoning normal everyday kind of thinking into a creative mode and it's always there in the back of my head i write songs as i lie awake at night and then i first thing in the morning i have a cup of coffee and i write down what i wrote in my head and i walk around town and i write as i walk and i carry a slip of paper and i write down the lyrics and the ideas but i will say that my, I do think my songwriting from scratch creative capabilities are on the wane. However, I know that I have more songs to write, and I'm convinced that they'll be good because I'm never going to release a song that I don't think is good enough. It means the album doesn't get finished. Well, that's just the way it has to be because I'm not going to release an album with crap on it. Indeed, the complexities of the creative process by the artist. That's James Butler talking about recording, writing music, and also about the history of the van from the Sex Clark Five. And uh, that's the second part of the interview. I've still got two more parts to play. But before we have any more chat, I think we should play another track. This is titled Silver Wave by SC5. I'm just abbreviating it now, aren't I? I'm just showing off. Anyway, take it away, James.
that's a track titled Silver Wave that they also recorded for John Peel back in 1994. And um, I might have mentioned earlier, but they did four sessions for John Peel. You see, even though they are based in Alabama, Peel still had his finger on the pulse globally. He was always there. We do miss him so much. Anyway, this is my um, more basically Sex Clark 5 special because I caught up with James Butler all the way from Huntsville. This is going to be the third part of the interview where he discusses the importance of the band or I ask him about the importance of a band on their fans and what happens when you bump into somebody that um, came to one of your early gigs. James, take it away. That's interesting. At the show the other night, a young man came up to me um, after the show and said, do you remember me? I said, no. And he said, well, you came into a pub in downtown Huntsville years ago. I forget how many, maybe only two years ago. And you talked with me about music for a couple of hours. And he was the bartender. And um, he was very young and he's still very young. He may have been, he, he had to have been 21 to, to 10 bar, but he's still in his 20s. And he was talking to me about how important that conversation was to him as a musician and this and that. I, I, I recall the conversation vaguely. And so that was something like running into an 18-year-old version of myself. But my 18-year-old self would have been much more idealistic regarding songwriting. I recall at that age and even into my 20s, I was convinced that everything had to be original. And I would try to make everything original, never been heard before. And finally, I remembered the day that I realized that that's ridiculous. Nothing's going to be original. You're, you're, you're striving at an impossibility. And so I told myself, just write the song. And if it sounds like something else, that's okay. If you have to adapt something, or if by accident, the song sounds like something else, that's all right. It doesn't have to be original. And so once I broke through that, that dam, that really opened up the, the, uh, the seas of creativity for me when I realized that everything does not have to be original. So I'm no longer idealistic in that respect, not by any means. Another piece of advice I would give a young songwriter is listen to classical music. There's a lot of brilliant stuff in the public domain. And I, to this day, am a fan of classical music. And I used to be quite fanatical about uh, Tchaikovsky. And during high school, I, I knew his symphonies by heart. And I was shocked then to learn that Tchaikovsky had adapted Russian peasant folk songs for his symphonies. And I went, oh, it's, you mean it's not all original? So Tchaikovsky borrowed melodies. And so now I'm borrowing melodies from Tchaikovsky. And I think that it's, uh, back to songwriting, I think it's important to go out when you're at the top of your game and... So I don't mean to say that the songs we're writing now aren't good. They will be good. They're great, as a matter of fact. And we're going to uphold Sex Clark 5 standards when it comes to putting out an album. And um, But there comes a time, I think, when an artist needs to make a decision. Do I continue on? Do I get to the point where I'm forcing it, where it's just not coming up to standard? Or do I know when to stop? And so I think... Uh, I'm predicting at this point that this will that the Orange album, that's the title, the Orange album will be our last album of completely original music. But we have plenty of other projects that uh, from our back catalog that we'd like to pursue that will uh, more than make up for uh, the lack of new albums, I think. And one thing that I've also sort of come across and noticed with a lot of people in the world of music is they sort of realise, actually, they look back at their sort of their back catalogue and they don't, you know, particularly own it and, and there's no sort of, and the archiving of it and filing of it hasn't been particularly done. And actually a lot of people are just kind of keen, stroke, almost desperate to sort of go back and sort of negotiate with whoever owns it and the publishing rights and sort of manage to sort of put it together into some nice little either box set or just have it completed. So have you also, because your music kind of is scattered over various labels, isn't it? Well, our own Records to Russia label has released most of them. There was a label in Indiana that re-released Drum and Drum called Beehive Rebellion. And oh, the fellow in England re-released Drum and Drum. His label was Subway. Uh, Martin, someone, I've forgotten his name. So 
And we did go through a phase, the two middle albums, Strum and Drum was great, then we re released, and then a Skyclad Records in New York released our second, our two middle albums, Battle of Sex Clark Five and Antedium, were released by Skyclad out of New York. And that was an interesting phase because Strum and Drum was recorded in our in my basement studio in which I'm sitting now. And our, our recording process is chaotic at best. And if an accident happens, if it sounds good, we keep it. We were recording on a four track and we were pinging tracks down onto one track and getting very strange results. And then as we started getting more attention and we actually got a couple of calls from major labels and we were being pressured both within the band and without to record in a real studio. And so we recorded the two, the second and third albums in a so-called real studio, which it was with a real engineer and a real producer and all that stuff in Nashville. But I've, I've, I'm still dissatisfied with them because it just lost our recording process, lost the spontaneity that we like to have when we record. And so both those albums to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word sterile, but they are not as alive as the albums that we record in our own studio without any pressure and without any uh, someone pointing at you and all that. So we went back after those two metal albums to record in our own studios and everything's been uh, fun ever since and lively ever since as far as I'm concerned. And that's probably the most important thing for an artist. That is um, James Butler from the Sex Clark Five talking about what he would say to his 18-year-old self and also about the creative process of writing songs. And uh, that was the third part of the interview. This is David Eastall, the C86 show. I've got one more part to play. But before we have any more chat, I think we should play another track by the band. This is titled Ghost Brigade Overture. <laughs>
Bardos with a track called Sad And, and that's come from a compilation that's just come out, or is just coming out, titled C89. Yes, you can see what they're doing there. It's from the Cherry Red Record label. It's another triple CD box set that features lots of really amazing sleeve notes, um, photographs of all the singles, and an essay by the one and only Neil Taylor, who put together the original, all co-put together the original cassette, the C86 cassette. So worth tracking down and the C89 collection, Cherry Red Records. And before that, we had our another track by our special guest, The Sex Clark Five, and that was a track titled Ghost Brigade Overture. This is David Esau, The C86 Show, with James Butler, all the way from Huntsville, Alabama, as special guest. And this is the fourth part of the interview where we talk about still making music and the creative process, which we love talking about that sort of thing. James... Wrap it up. Tell us all you need to uh, offload because we're all gripped here. Now, I recall um, a long time ago, uh, one of our old friends, Eric Flaum, God rest his soul, a, um, a writer in New York, was a big fan. And one of the articles he wrote about us, it said that we were part time. 
And I guess it's because most of us had a day job or something. And I, I took offense at that, and I shouldn't have, but we are we never have been part-time because the creative process or the songwriting process to have songs in your head and to have a direction you want to go never stops. And so, yes, we may have had a day job here and there, but that doesn't mean it was part-time because it was certainly on my mind 24 hours a day. Sometimes I think, now we, we've been, uh, we've never toured per se, but we have been on the road enough to know that it certainly could get to the point where it's not much fun. It, you know, being on stage is a blast, but, and you know, tearing tearing down and leaving and conversing with the fans, all that's fun. But the traveling and the hotels and the waiting and all that kind of stuff, if we had, I'm, sometimes I think that I'm very glad and we have been very fortunate not to have been picked up and not to have become famous because if I had ever actually got out on the road on a proper tour, I probably wouldn't have lasted 18 months or less. I probably wouldn't lasted six months. And by the way, I did I read correctly on your site that you had interviewed the Pooh Sticks recently? Yes. That's well, that's wonderful because we were in communication with them um, some years ago back during our original burst of fame. And uh, we have some Pooh Sticks songs here, and I listen to them occasionally. And actually, I think the Pooh Sticks asked us to uh, send a song to them to put on their label, which was Cutie Records at the time, I think. But yeah, we're Pooh Sticks fans, so if you wouldn't mind giving them our best. I certainly will. In fact, I have already. Anyway, that's the final part of my interview with James Butler from The Sex Clark Five, or sometimes known as... SC5, if you want to abbreviate it and save time, but now I've explained all that. It's probably taken more time. Anyway, thank you ever so much for giving me that uh, interview, and um, like I said, much appreciated. This is David Eastall, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can via Facebook, Twitter. Just go to at C86 Show. I will be there. It's always good. Anyway, we should play one more track by the band before the end of the show. This is While I'm Here. by the Sex Clark Five, and that's going to almost wrap up the show. Anyway, just enough time to say thank you for listening. Um, tune in next week because I'll have another special guest. Obviously, I've got quite a few in the um, bag, but thank you again and um, have a great week. This has been David Eastall, The C86 Show, and this is going to be The Cure and the track called Catch. Try to catch you
Touch my